You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Sunday. We've been late for so long... We're like days early now. That's all freaking dedicated. Oh, actually, we're not. Vince has got a screwed up schedule, so we got to record early. <laughs> Couldn't even get through it. They, they would know I'm lying. Yeah, clearly so, something is up. Yeah. So we did want to make sure that we got a episode out for the week, of course. And I actually have been dying to talk about Justice League. We have so many different Justice Leagues out, as we always have. Although it seems now that there's even more than normal. And I find it ironic funny, whatever, that my two favorites are the ones that take place in the future that have nothing to do with continuity as it stands now, because that all sucks, let's be honest. (laughs) So we're going to talk about Justice League Beyond 2.0, as well as Justice League 3000. Yeah. uh, Have you actually tried reading any of Justice League regular comics lately? Not lately, no. I kind of got, I reached that point where I kind of gave up. I can't even get through the issue synopsis before I stop caring. <laughs> it's this whole forever evil thing is just – it's still going on. I mean even before that, going back to Trinity War, it's just been insufferable. Like I just want my Justice League to be the Justice League. So we have to go outside of regular continuity to get that. Yeah, really. So let's start with Justice League Beyond. The this, They're in their 2.0 phase right now where they rebooted it and started from scratch. I had been reading the original and as we've talked about in, in prior episodes, quite liking it as well. I, I like the characters that they've got, the dynamics between the characters. They've got, of course, they've got Batman Beyond in there as well, which is... One of, not the, but one of the strongest characters in the DC canon, in my opinion. I love the character very, very much. I love the stories very much. And so having him here ties in that that bit of future lore that I really dig kind of thing. But then it's not just him. Like, all the characters really gel well together. And then, of course, you have Superman as well as an older man at that point, yet still powerful as all hell kind of thing yeah and i think it's the addition of having actual superman on the team that makes it so interesting it's not just you know these heroes in the future it gives you that bridge of the gap where it still has that very strong legacy that holds it all together and it's not just that but it also gives the writer in this case here crystals gauge the opportunity to play with the relationship between clark and bruce because Bruce is still alive, though he's in in pretty bad shape. <laughs> but you have those moments every now and again where you get this, to see the two of them together. And you got that in Batman Beyond as well, just a tiny little bit. But here we're seeing it a little bit more often where Superman is calling on Bruce for some advice or, or whatever. Um, when he called on him for dating advice, oh, I nearly <laughs> lost it. I was laughing so much. <laughs> So I think that's something that's very good as well. And then you have 
the generational gap as well, because it's, of course, going to be some similar characters that we have, whether they're descendants or whatever of characters that we know, like Aqua Girl, who is obviously Aquaman's daughter. And then you have the history there that's that's hinted at or talked about lightly, not too, too much kind of thing. And And then you get to see Aquaman as an older man still with tremendous amount of power coming to bear later on in some of the issues that are going on right now. And the same can be said. Oh. Apparently all we needed for Aquaman to be awesome was a hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> it's the white hair and beard. That's all it is. <laughs> Give a guy a beard, long beard. He's awesome. I mean, geez, uh, Bobby did it. The X-Men. So what we have here is there's been a, a couple of fairly long story arcs that have taken place in the Justice League Beyond. And that's how these Beyond series are going. The same thing is happening with Batman Beyond, where you'll get like eight or nine issues that is one very long story arc. The thing to keep in mind with these two is that these are shorter issues. They're not your traditional length. They're made to be read on tablets or computers. So it's not quite the same. It's, it's, it's shorter and uh, like your page doesn't have nearly as many panels on it. So an eight issue quote unquote spread still doesn't take that, that long to read. And it, and it's nice too, because it's well, if it's, if it's well written, you have this, this kind of, ongoing story that doesn't feel like it's dragging on still the the pace is maintained and you're really looking forward to the next issue which they tend to come out faster i don't know the schedule in this one offhand uh they're both running in alternate weeks yeah i think they come out on saturdays so it, it is something that you can look forward to oh i know it's coming out soon like case in point with this one here the last issue of of a, a big story out that's going on now is due out. And like, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where this is going because it's been a lot of fun up until now. So you, you mean the, the, the Brainiac story? Arc? Yeah. The last issue is already out. Did it come out? You don't dude. Oh my so, God. Oh, damn it. The last issue was ridiculous. I, <laughs> I read 15 and I was going, I'm sure 16 came out. And I was like, I couldn't find it. I'm going through my archives. I'm going through everything. And I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Oh, man. And oh, now I can't even talk about it. <laughs> well, no. I'm, these are don't take long to read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can talk about it. Screw it. I'll read it later. That's okay. fine. All right. So you're going to be spoiling it because I won't. So for everybody else, though, like both this and the 3000 we're going to talk about, spoiler Ahead of time, we're discussing it. Um, so, yeah, so right now the story art that's going on is the Brainiac story art. The initial one was with um, the the people in the Phantom Zone that had been jailed there before, and they'd found a way through Brainiac to kind of play havoc with Superman's powers, which led him in there. It it was actually a really good story arc, and it introduced us to a new Superboy who is a descendant of Zod. His hell, his name is even Zod, and uh, and he comes out with the crew when they come back after battling inside of there. And you find out that there's a lot more going on here than you realize, including the fact that Brainiac was 
working with the people in there. And so when you start the second story arc, then now you're looking at Brainiac is back in full force. He's never really gone away. And because he doesn't care about time, he was just basically waiting it out till the perfect moment. And with civilization being what it is at that time, relying so heavily on technology, he is got so much more power to take over the freaking world, literally become the world. And I thought that was a little over the top, but I mean, what are you going to do? What else are you going to expect from a supervillain? Like, I love it when a supervillain does something big and supervillainy and ridiculous. Supervillainy. <laughs> supervillainy, yes. So, yeah, here he's basically infecting all of technology. He is taking over various quote-unquote heroes who rely on technology, but more so than even that, he's using his nanotechnology to take over regular old heroes, regular people as well, making it that much more difficult for the Justice League to actually fight this. This is, in every shape, sense of the way, a losing battle. There is no way they can they can beat this. And I like how they they play with this whole, how, how technology has this weakness against mag- from magic. Um, it, it's very much like a gaming thing kind of thing. Like one has more <laughs> power over the other kind of thing. So you have them pulling in all of their magic wielders. I like how Shazam bounces between the personalities. We even get to see Black Adam, which was freaking awesome as all hell. And, uh, and so you get to see all of these things. But then not to be outdone and having planned for everything. Of course, Brainiac has stolen the cash of Nth Metal that, um, that, uh, what's his, uh, Warhawk keeps on hand, which apparently he keeps a lot of that stuff. Cause you never know. Really, man. <laughs> so, uh, so that is used against the magic wielders to keep him in check. Think, you know, super fancy handcuffs that block magic. I don't know, but it works. And then you wind up having the, the final confrontation, which is leading to um, Temescara. Temescara? Tem- how, uh, Paradise Island. There you go. You didn't see, you can't <laughs> even say it either. <laughs> and, um, and they all go there because it is a place of magic and whatnot. And of course, at this point, they've brought in Aquaman as well. And I am at the point where it was pretty much... It, <laughs> This was it. You had the, the massive battle with Aqua Girl creating this huge freaking water beast thing. And they're all fighting the big ass Brainiac. I, I, it's, it's kind of one of those where you have to really accept that this is a comic book story. There, there's no trying to look at underlying intelligence here. This is a big bombastic kind of comic book story. It doesn't matter that he's got all of his, he's invaded all of technology across the world. You get the impression that if they can beat him here, they've got this one. That's what I like so much about it though. It's probably the only comic DC's putting out right now that's not embarrassed to be a comic book right. it's not trying to be super serious and this is that it's just telling a huge fun story with lots of great characters oh yeah and like the you you skimmed it over but the actual battle against brainiac and every single issue was phenomenal and with all different the powers too. running around seeing various interpretations of legacy characters like you said what they've done with captain marvel was freaking awesome and 
even the stuff with like Big Barda and Mr. Miracle and their interactions and having to choose between staying on Earth and going back to uh, wherever the heck they go. Yeah. <laughs> but and, and all the stuff with uh, young Zod and how the team isn't really accepting him yet. And there's been great character work in addition to these big, bombastic, gorgeous battles. Like it's it was an absolute blast. I can't believe I got you to say bombastic. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's true because like you're you're looking at the different issues and before the everything ramps up to, you know, 11, there's those character moments with Zod where you see how some of the team does not trust him. But you also see those personal moments where he's out with Terry and, you know, Green Lantern mm-hmm. and stuff and just kind of walking around and talking and getting to know him and, and whatnot. So it, it's it's that nice, fun moment. And and you can clearly see that this is, and they point blank say the Superboy thing, but this is that Superboy where they're, they're, there's that hint of evil right below the surface that the, the morality is different there where you get the, the feeling that he could turn on them at some point, or he could prove to be an exceptionally strong ally to them as well. So it's the nod to the terrible recent Superboy, <laughs> but it is Which actually terrible well, the, recent yeah, Superboy. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, and then, so yeah, there, I'm skimming over it, but just for the sake of time, because yeah. there's so much we could say, but I will actually pass it off to you because like I said, I actually... I was debating. I I was positive it had come out, but I couldn't find it. So I thought, oh, maybe it is coming out soon. But I, in my defense, I've been busy, people. <laughs> so that's why. <laughs> well, yeah. So here they are with their big final standoff on Paradise Island. And Brainiac is just wrecking them. Like he takes out Aquaman. And we have the big reveal of, you know, the, the cavalry riding in in the 11th hour of Wonder Woman actually showing up. Well, and, you see that at the end of 15. Well, you right, know it's right. her kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know, actually seeing her entering the battle yeah. and just wrecking Brainiac. Like, this isn't some future Wonder Woman. No, this is the actual Wonder Woman who's you know, been hanging out with Superman and Batman for so many years. And like, the battle is just awesome. And you finally get to the end and Superman, you know, they're all like, oh, Wonder Woman, thanks so much. You know, you're so great. And Superman just comes up to her and he's like, yeah, why did you help us out? Obviously, there's some sort of history here we're not aware of. And in the very last panel, he's like, were you helping or just eliminating the competition so that you can take over the Earth now with the other Justice Lords? Dude! (laughs) (laughs) So now the next storyline is a crossover between the two 2.0 titles of the Justice Lords Beyond. I <laughs> I love these future stories when they mess with continuity or they they it, it's a, it's almost as if yes they have to stick with a canon but as we've said before if you give a good writer the opportunity to reinvent things the way they would like to see it done as well you could wind up with some absolutely incredible stories the characters are that rich that you can do something good with it it's just and this is what makes you think often that regular writers for the existing canon now their hands are tied 
so tightly behind their backs because of everything that is expected of them by the editors and everything else to maintain a certain continuity with the crap, let's be honest, that's going on now. <laughs> Whereas something like this, where it's like, okay, kind of, you know, this is what you can play with, but have fun. Now you've got these insane stories proving that the lore and the characters are that powerful, that well-defined that yes, you can have, you can have a blast with them. Yeah. I read that last page and my mouth dropped open. I was not expecting that turn. I got a, I, I'm positive. I bought it. If not, then I'll be picking that up immediately after that. And we're done recording. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the other one that we've both been enjoying. This is a newer title. It's only actually, don't say I'm wrong here, but four in. <laughs> there isn't a fifth episode, is there issue? No, no, not yeah, yet. I was right. Okay, so there you go. Um, but yeah, and that is Justice League 3000. Now, this one is way freaking different and and i repeat people there will be spoilers here okay this one is um written by keith giffen and it is actually looking at the justice league having been cloned in the future but not you know, entirely in terms of them having the exact same powers they are limited they're relying more on also technology, different things to be able to do what they want. But in their minds, they feel that they are these people. So you have your Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and Flash. And later we get an introduction of somebody else. And they are being, they're actually, they're kind of like agents of Cadmus. And they are fighting against this massive force we don't need to get too much into that right now but they're sent out on missions the the cool thing about this as we've discussed in prior episodes is that you wind up having these completely different relationships between the characters and in addition to that the characters themselves are not the same the the most obvious one of that of course is superman who is just this egotistical bastard <laughs> who speaks about himself in the third person. <laughs> he, he is a waste of space. And seeing Bruce lose his patience with him constantly is just this, it, it's just this joy. It's just so much fun to read in all of these panels where you, you get this, <laughs> when he keeps saying, just one piece of kryptonite. That's all I'm asking for. Just one piece. <laughs> Because <laughs> they've had with them. But again, if it's 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 cool because as it's being written, and it's only four issues in, but already I'm seeing a phenomenal story, a futuristic world that is a blast to read so far. The villains are a little too powerful at this point, but it's creating this underdog, cheering for the underdog mentality that that I really dig. Everybody digs. And then again, this, the relationships and characters are so different and yet still in some ways so similar that it's, it's just fun to read. Yeah. Their, their, their main adversaries are this group of five villains. I think so far we've seen two or three of them now. And like, just looking at each of them individually, you're like, 
They're gods. The, the, the real Justice League would have trouble with these guys. <laughs> so you put, you know, these chuckleheads up against them and all of the, the interpersonal dynamics. So the Superman is hilarious because he can't even fly. They, they, his powers didn't cook quite right. <laughs> so, but don't tell him that. <laughs> and I don't love call him. him Clark. When they say you can't, how many times do we have to tell you you can't fly? And he's like, yeah, but I can jump like a son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> But also seeing, you know, how, okay, you clone Batman. Well, okay, you clone Batman. Congratulations. Yeah, Superman, Wonder Woman, a lot of their power bases are from their genetics. But with Flash and Green Lantern, you don't have that. You know, Flash needs to tap into the speed force. Green Lantern needs his ring. Those are things that you can't clone. And obviously, a thousand years in the future, we don't know what happened. But the actual Green Lanterns aren't around anymore. So seeing specifically those two characters and how... The difficulty they're having with their powers and the way the things, especially Green Lantern, God, that poor guy, what he's gone through, it it's makes it continually interesting of seeing, you know, these characters that we've come to expect to be powerful and just win every battle. Yet, like you said, they're finally the underdogs in the story, and it makes it so much more interesting. And see, you tapped into something there that I like, too, and that is that so long as this series can continue – and I'm really hoping that it actually will. So long as it can continue, the potential for storylines going forward is so rich with diversity, with with different types of stories than than we wouldn't expect kind of thing. And, and we can look right at the Green Lantern right there. He, he's in his mind how the Green Lantern Corps means everything to him, but it's not around. You're looking at one hell of a story arc right there that they can tell of him feeling completely alone and having to deal with the fact that he's not using a ring anymore, but this magic kind of cape thing. So looking forward at what they can do in future story arcs, that is also what has got me so friggin' excited for this story, this, uh, this series. And that's why... Like, I was really interested in this when it first came out. Because first of all, the character designs looked pretty cool. But I had no idea of what direction they were going in with the story. But re- being written by Giffen and DiMatteis, who have basically made careers out of taking underappreciated characters and making them awesome. And then giving them the Justice League. <laughs> I was like, well, what are they going to do? You know, how, how are they going to write their style with Superman? And as soon as I read that first issue and I put two and two together, I knew this could be something really special. Yeah. And more so than that, too, is that they've now shown with issue number four that there is an untapped pool that they can go to that is basically every single, it would appear, Justice League member they can go and clone if they want, although they want you using the C word. Because we wind up seeing Firestorm at the end here. Proving that, again, if they need to, they can bring in different characters and just kind of have fun with it as well. And I really dig that. That, again, can be a lot of fun because you're playing with the dynamics, the stereotypes of who that character was back then and who they're not anymore. As long as they do so sparingly. I'm not going to disagree with that. I don't want to see the entirety of the Justice League from the current canon there. But if they bring in some interesting (laughs) characters... Bring, bring in Booster Goal just for fun, just for one issue, just so that you can tear him apart at the end, too. <laughs> that well, would be awesome. you have to keep in mind, Booster Gold is kind of there. He, well, is, their, their uh, when, is, when is Booster Gold actually 
from what year approximately? It's not in the three thousands, is it? I honestly, I, I, I think it was either. before then. Yeah. Like, but anyways, so they can have fun with this. They can bring in a variety of different characters and and do things. They're only just kind of tapping into what actually has been happening, how the world has gotten, the worlds, the universe has gotten this screwed up and the extents that these gods have really wreaked havoc with various worlds. And then of course, also the Cadmus, their fight against this, the, 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 how the cloning has taken place, which is freaking interesting as all hell, because that's, whether or not some of the remnants of the prior personalities can ever come out or things like that, that's again going to potentially be creating some fairly interesting story arcs. And honestly, they just get a big thumbs up from me for having the Wonder Twins <laughs> in, in, in a completely different way, but at least having that little joke in there was pretty funny. Yeah. So this has been a lot of fun to read. If you're not reading it, strongly, strongly suggested. Let's move. Guarantee on. it's going to be better than whatever Justice League comic you're currently <laughs> reading. <laughs> Let's move on to what we're reading. I'm going to start with the obvious, and that's Superior Spider-Man number thirty. And uh, yeah, spoiler, people, spoiler. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this was what we saw coming. That said, do you think it was as well handled as it could have been? I think I would have preferred if it had played out over a longer period of time. Exactly, Because like we said, with, with their, their deadline of having needing a Spider-Man comic with Peter, blah, blah, blah. But that said, I still really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but it's just that. See, Otto's been in charge for a bloody long time now. Yes. And we've enjoyed it a lot. And his character has been changing over time, but and especially as of late with everything that's been happening. But in my opinion, not nearly enough mm-hmm. that he would erase himself. I mean, he unless there's some hidden little agenda here, but the way they're playing it out, there isn't. But unless there's a little agenda, he quite literally killed himself off so that Peter could save Anna Maria and everything else, realizing that he just screwed everything. And while I can appreciate that, and it's kind of trying to, you know, tug at those heartstrings of certain ideas like this, I know I can't save her, so you save her and what and whatnot. I don't believe that there was enough of a character progression with Otto to the point where it would be believable that he would erase himself from Peter in order to do this. And that really took me out of the story. And I hate that because up until now I've been in just like hook, line and sinker. You got me. And then this, and it was like, Ooh, and I was a little disappointed. Yeah. Like in, like I said, in the amount of time they had, I feel it was well executed, but it could have been better. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. It's it's all well and good to say that, and I'm not. I don't want to like slam it because it was still a very good issue. It was, mm-hmm. but it was not the heroic moment that it should have been. Right. And I think that saying they had to rush it, I think that's actually giving slot a little bit too much leeway, and and saying okay, we know you can do better, but it's not your fault because you only had 
X amount of issues to work with for this. I don't want to cut him that slack. I'm sorry. But even with the amount of issues that he had, he could have made that character progression seem more natural so that when it got to this point, we would believe it more. I think that's a shortcoming of the writing, not just the editing saying, make sure you get the story done by such and such an issue. I think it's also slot and, uh, and I'm disappointed in him for that. No, I, I think that's fair. Okay. Let's move on to <laughs> now this. I'm not disappointed in freaking amazing <laughs> X-Men. No disappointment for Aaron. Dude, you rock. Uh, I'm just disappointed. You're going to be leaving. That's very disappointing. But, this see this is when we're looking at iconic moments that are happening <laughs> like case in point with these two a return of peter parker a return of nightcrawler which one are you going to tell me really felt freaking heroic well come peter on parker's only been gone for like a year kurt's oh. been dead for a while <laughs> i don't care i no, that's not an excuse no this was freaking heroic this was mm-hmm. i just and of course, man, he, who did the art on this again? Ed McGinnis. Oh, dude. Like said, this is yeah, the dude. best work of his career. This has been, and the color palette too. Whoever's doing colors on this, I'm going and looking at it right now just so we can give credit where it's due. Marta Gracia, 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 whatever. Uh, wow. This this issue looks gorgeous. And it's, Again, it's it's shown that you can have an issue that is basically one long friggin' fight. But in between all that, have these amazing character moments. In this case here, not just between Nightcrawler and the rest of the crew, not just between him and Wolverine, which those few panels where Wolverine's like pretty much dying kind of thing were great. And then you also have him and, and, and Xavier talking as well Mm -hmm. and then the moments between him and his uh, not so much father i mean this was just beginning to end i dude i read it twice it was like this was just i could have done without the naked nightcrawler at the end i don't quite see the point of that but okay whatever well he he didn't have a body so (laughs) they could have materialized one they could have figured something (laughs) Nobody else seemed to mind. Of course not. <laughs> they made him pretty chunky. Like he's, pretty, he's got some hunking going on there. But uh, but yeah, no, this was a, a a fantastic story, and it's a it's a story that if you got to read the earlier stuff with uh, what's his face. What's his face? Azazel. Yeah, Azazel. The stuff that we actually read and talked about, which, hey, thanks. You made me read crap, but it helped me appreciate I'm this. I'm glad we did that. Yeah, because it, it helps with that understanding the, the blood magic and stuff and what goes on here. So it was like, oh, geez, I'm happy I read that stuff. So, yeah, this was this was like absolutely fantastic beginning to end. I loved it. And That's, the thing that it, I also like, comic. yeah, what I liked as well is that, and then I'll let you talk, okay, <laughs> is that Nightcrawler was always this conflicted character, like seriously conflicted, and also very religious and tried to balance that conflict with, you know, his his beliefs and whatnot. They They shot that up to, again, 11 on a 10 scale where now he also has to deal with the loss of his soul, which is again, when you're looking at the character and the importance of that to this character, I mean, Wolverine losing his soul. He could, who the hell cares? He could give a rat's ass. Who cares? But Nightcrawler, 
this is big and it's going to impact the character a lot. So again, there's things that were done in this issue that were exceptionally well done, making me really look forward to where it's going to keep going from here. At this point, I feel really bad for whoever's writing this after Jason Aaron leaves. Yes and no. Yes, they've got some big shoes to fill, but yeah. look at... I'm sure they were pissed off when they read this issue. Yeah, but look at what they've been given to work with now. Sure. My God. That's like somebody wrote the first three chapters of a story, the hardest ones to lay the groundwork, and you just have to build on it from there and play with the awesome sandbox that they've created for you. That's the way I'm looking at it. If you can live up to it. That's... The big one. And I mean, look at what we're seeing with Wolvie and his peeps and how we both feel. Eh, it's not quite living up to what we saw before. So, yeah. Okay, last one I got, Skull Kickers number 25. They're back. So now you're getting the story with with the the two Rexes, the two Rolves, and luckily only the one assassin. I like how she says that. <laughs> and fighting the hordes of dwarves and then seeing how basically... We're in for a wealth of parallel creatures, giant dwarf, Rolf, I thought was funny as hell, and the midget, Baldy, that was that was cool too. So I don't know just how much he's going to be using this going forward of all the different dwarves and, sh- and, and Baldies, but even though there was quite a few in here, it was well handled. I thought it was hysterical. I really liked it a lot. I actually haven't read it yet. You haven't? Okay. No. <laughs> okay, we're even. <laughs> okay, what do you got? All right. Well, first of all, for me, all new Ghost Rider. Oh, I haven't read it yet. Story-wise, it's very simplistic. Um, it's actually a very impressive because a good two-thirds of this issue is completely visual. Like, there's not a lot of dialogue. It's just Trad Moore and his insane art like i i i probably spent a good half hour just staring at this comic it is mind-blowing some of the best art i've ever seen in a comic book and and just the way he's visually telling the story what is that establishing uh robbie reyes as you know good guy kid looks out for his little brother uh lives in a really bad neighborhood in la makes a stupid decision ends up getting killed and becoming the Ghost Rider. That's really all you need to know for the story in the first issue. But just the way it happens and watching... Uh, he, he did a car chase in a comic book, which I didn't think was possible. <laughs> and it looked fantastic. I, I, I am fully on board with this after that first issue. I loved it. Cool. Uh, also, uh, the second issue of Miss Marvel came out uh, two weeks ago, I think it was. And you know, we finally see her becoming you know, the actual Miss Marvel. And it was very well told, still really into the character. But the thing that I liked most about this is she's a superhero who just wants to do good things. You know, there's no tragedy she's trying to overcome. There's no, you know, her, her, her uncle didn't die. You know, her parents weren't murdered. There's no vengeance. No, no, it's just a superhero who does good for the sake of doing good. And I, I think that's a, a very welcome addition. Yeah, don't get it. I also read the first issue of the new Secret Avengers. Uh, when the first one came out last year, was not impressed, didn't care. But uh, new creative team, new issue number one. I was like, all right, let me check it out. I don't want to say it was bad. It was just trying so hard to be Hawkeye. Like to 
to the point where they're stealing gags from from, uh, from the Hawkeye issues, and it just it it doesn't work. The thing that makes Hawkeye work is the fact that it's Hawkeye. When you just try and crib like some of the jokes and, and some of the stuff, and you're not David Aja or Matt Fraction, it doesn't work in quite the same way. It's just it it just feels like kind of a knockoff. Well, that's what they're trying to do with uh, She-Hulk as well. And you, mm-hmm. you can feel it as well. well I actually haven't read She-Hulk. So I'm not saying it you. was bad. I, I read the first mm-hmm. issue and it had some good and some bad. But you really got that Hawkeye feel. And it's almost mm-hmm. as if, again, the editors of Marvel went to a whole bunch of writers and said, okay, you all know what they're doing. We want something similar. Pick a hero. Roll with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm not against it in, in practice of doing a unique style like we've seen with uh, the Black Widow comic. It's the same concept as Hawkeye of take, you know, a B-list hero and do something with a really unique style and make it work. The issue with Secret Avengers is it's not a unique style. It's the style we are yeah. seeing already in Hawkeye. Or at least with, with uh, She-Hulk, they're doing their own thing with it. In my eyes. And then finally, uh, we had a one-shot issue come out, uh, X-Men Legacy number 300. Did you check that one out? I, you know what? I saw it. I haven't read it yet. I thought this was pretty cool because uh, with the end of Cy Spurrier's run, there's actually no X-Men Legacy comic coming up. There actually was going to be one uh, starting up soon, but they decided just to make it a Nightcrawler solo comic instead because it was going to be X-Men Legacy following Nightcrawler specifically. And they realized, eh, let's just do a, a, a solo Nightcrawler ongoing. So what they did was they brought in Cy Spurrier, Christos Gage, and Mike Carey. The only three guys who have written X-Men Legacy. Now, granted, the number 300 is kind of uh, fudging it a bit because it didn't actually become X-Men Legacy until somewhere around like 190 or something like that. I forget exactly when. So it's not 300 issues of X-Men Legacy, but you, you kind of get what they're going with here. And it was just a really interesting story. Like It uh, picked up a lot of the, uh, the Age of X stuff that Mike Carey did when he was on there. And God, I loved that storyline. So going back to that... And seeing how this uh, character that they just created out of nowhere, a really interesting character that I hope pops up at some point somewhere because the way he actually fits into the X-Men mythos is hilarious and something probably only somebody like Cy Spurrier could have thought up. (laughs) So going back to the Age of X stuff, uh, touching in on uh, some of the stuff Christos Gage did in there with uh, Weapon Omega and Mimic, it was just really cool to do that call back to the history of in my eyes, one of the most underappreciated X-Men comics that's been on the shelves in a long time. Cool. And that's all I got. Okay. So new releases for the week we've got from the Marvel side, Black Widow number five, which again, I'm still digging. Magneto number two, which definitely looking forward to that. Moon Knight number two. I actually, I have a number one. I haven't read it yet, so I'm hoping it's good. Ultimate Comics Spider-Man 200. And this is, it's a one year anniversary from Peter's death. And so there's kind of stories and remembering and things like that. It's only been a year? That's that's what the write up is for this. So I I'm really looking huh. forward to seeing what uh, seems like it was so much. I ago. I agree. So I'm again I'm just looking at the write up that I read for it. And that's okay, what it maybe said. maybe they mean year in storyline time. Quite possibly, yeah. Uh, and then a what if Age of Ultron, which is a, a five part series. So I'm actually I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Oh, you know what? I re I read it wrong too. It's the anniversary of his death. It doesn't okay. say one year. So yeah. So more than that, obviously. 
Okay, uh, from DC side, we've got only a couple ones. There's an Aquaman and the others. I'd have no idea what it is, but it's a number one, so I figure I'll give it a shot and see if it's any good. And then Earth 2, number 22. I still haven't gone back to read all of the back issues for that, but I know you're so digging it, and I will make sure to do as well. Can I On- just say real quick, I think it's hilarious that they really wanted to do an Aquaman team book and then just gave up halfway through the title. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, anyways. <laughs> Sorry, I've been holding on to that joke for a while. <laughs> on the image side, we've got 68 Rule of War, which it kind of might be interesting. I don't know. It's this zombie story during the Vietnam War. With well, this... the original 68 miniseries was interesting, but this is like the third spinoff at yeah, this point. I don't know. I remember reading some of this like when I was reading comic books as a kid. So it's like, I'll give it a shot and see if it's any good. Who knows? And then the field number one which also looks like it might be interesting. This is a a number one of four kind of thing. And you got a whole bunch of mysterious crap going on there. So I give it a shot, see if it's any good. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's going to wrap up the week. So make sure to check out the show notes at Comic Book Informer. Find us on Twitter at CB Informer. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. Actually, a week in a bit. Eh, they won't know. Eventually. (laughs) 